Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast and it is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app. I will be telling you more about it a little bit later in the show. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, journeyman. Now I've got a bunch of podcasts, including the Ross Tucker football podcast. Booger McFarlane, Andrew Brandt have been awesome this week. College draft podcast which was fascinating, talking about multi-sport athletes during the scouting process. On the Fantasy Feast podcast, tomorrow we will dive into the best ball format a little bit more, some tips, plus how about a guy with over 30 years of experience in fantasy football? I don't know if my co-host Steve Fezzik is quite there in terms of betting experience. We'll get to that in a second. You should be following him like I do on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. It is the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino. Again, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. All the shows available at Ross Tucker Pod. Our intern, Casey, a Penn State figure skater, is killing it on our Twitter and IG this summer. So make sure you're following us on both at Ross Tucker Pod. Hello there, Steve. Yeah, I have just about 30 years of betting experience, 20 years now betting for a living, Ross. That is amazing. Yeah, so so Greg Ambrosius tomorrow, I think fantasy sports have only been around for like 35, 40 years, and he's been around for 31 of them, which is pretty cool. I am very fired up about today's guest. He's a guy I've worked with over on the radio.com side of things, You Better You Bet, which is an awesome show. I'll be back a part of starting next week. His name is Ken Barkley, but most people know him as Lockie Lockerson because that is his Twitter handle. Or should I say this week, Ken, at, was it, at Rockety Mortgageson? That's correct, yep. We usually go with whatever the current PGA tournament is for the for the name this week. It's a... Uh, 
a little name, a name idea. I uh, I kind of just ripped from Worldwide Bob. If people follow him, he was changing his name every day. So figured might as well do the same thing, and it's caught on with a lot of people. So Ken, I, I I've worked with you a couple times over at You Better You Bet, but I I must admit I don't know your background as well as I should. So for Steve and our listeners. How did you become a guy that's getting on my podcast, getting on You Better You Bet, and, and, and making a name for yourself in the betting world? Uh, dumb luck, I guess, would be the, the first answer. But I mean, really, just uh, my background is in TV production. So I, I worked at ESPN for like more than a decade uh, in production, worked my way up to kind of like a middle upper management position, basically, but was just grinding out, you know, 80, 90 hour work weeks, like no breaks. Uh, my kids were being born and I wasn't getting to see them very much. So I just got super, super burnt out with kind of the TV production lifestyle. And while that was going on, I was kind of getting much, much more immersed and interested in betting in general and being around. Obviously, I worked on Van Pelt Sports Center for several years from when it started. And, you know, being around those guys and being around other kind of gambling content creators, that's kind of what made me want to get into this stuff. So the last really only the last about two years, I've been taking this really, really seriously. It's been interesting to be like a new arrival in, in gambling. I mean, I know you have Steve on, he said, you know, 30 years in, in the space, all those guys have a lot of experience and knowledge that I, I just don't have. And I'm trying to catch up and get there uh, as fast as possible. So, you know, it's been going really well so far. Golf has been, you know, a nice kind of beacon in this like, you know, kind of time where there's not a lot going on. And uh, it's been great to spend some time on that. So if you don't mind me asking, Ken, before I have a bone to pick with Mr. Fezzik, if you don't mind me asking, you know, how much of what you're doing is uh, your, your, your compensation, if you will, is on the media end of things and how much sure. of it is, you know, from your winnings? And I, Steve, I've never actually asked you the percentages. I know Steve, I think, makes more money from actual betting than he does from the media stuff. Um, but I don't know, Ken, are you kind of on the other side of that right now? Yeah, so I, I would never, people, uh, my, you know, when I do podcasts or I'm on media, or even if I talk to friends, they're always like, so are you like a professional better? And I always say, I'm definitely not a professional better because more of my money comes from not betting than comes from betting. And until, until it kind of pivots and becomes the other way around, you know, I don't think it's fair for me to kind of be like, be like, I'm a pro. That's how I, you know, that's how my family eats and all that stuff. So I would say when I first left, obviously the ratio is really low. I was probably, you know, 80% media, 20% betting or something. And then that's basically gone up, you know, kind of with each three to six month period, as I've kind of found more markets that I can attack as you just, you just learn more about the space, you know, how to avoid bad bets, how to make good bets, you know, when things are soft, obviously, and things are going well, and you find something and you can hit it a bunch of times, you know, all the, all those kind of things like that'll, it'll, it'll waver month to month. But I would say, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to 50 50 kind of as the months tick by that's the best way I can put it. And Steve, I never really asked this. You don't even need to give me percentages, but you do make more of your income from actual betting, right, Steve? Yes, but I have to tell you, Ross, we're at a point now, it has gotten harder to be a professional gambler. So at one time, most of my income was from betting, and now it's much more varying by the year at that 50-50 level. What, now, why do you say that? Why are you saying it's getting harder? Every year, the markets correct faster. The mistakes, lines get put up that are wrong. Example, the Steelers opened up uh, week one minus two and a half, and now they're minus three and a half. And that minus two and a half might have sat out there for a few weeks instead of a few minutes um, here in 2020 versus 2008, say. Got it. Okay, so everything's getting 
and, and that's a product of more eyeballs, more people are doing it, more it's it's legalized more places, and so more people are able to jump on bad numbers. Are have taken this much more seriously, the pro sports betters, and they're just so much more dialed in to the fact that if they don't get to a number fast, that number is going to move. Example, in golf this week, there was a number on what's the winning score going to be? And it got opened up to see seven and a half, which many people feel is too high. And it's already been pounded. Now the numbers under 267 and a half lay minus 180, and you could have laid minus 110 just one day ago. Got it. All right. Um, Ken, I, I, and I, I'm going to pick that bone with you, Steve, a little bit later. Uh, right now, I want to get into Ken's area of expertise. I don't know, Ken, if it's just because of the virus or whatever. I don't remember a year ago this many people betting golf and this many people being this into betting golf. But the consensus seems to be among people that are doing it now, wow, this is awesome. Why wasn't I doing it before? I love this. Uh, it, it sounds like you've been doing it for longer than that. Explain it to me. Sure, absolutely. I, so I, I will correct you on the last part. I'm, I'm a new arrival to golf too, and it's just predicated by the times that we live in. You know, I bet, I bet esports right now. Like I bet, I bet ten Counter Strike matches last night, and I would never, ever, 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 ever pre COVID have bet ten Counter Strike matches last night. But you go. You go where the markets are open and they take bets and the limits are pretty high and you think you can find an edge like that's, you know, that checks all the boxes. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, Russian table tennis has obviously gotten a lot of publicity recently, too. But for me, it was, you know, two to three months ago, it was trying to figure out, OK, I have like 10 weeks, 11 weeks to build something here. What sport do I want to try to identify that I could spend every night, you know, 18 hours a day for 10 weeks to build out that I feel confident in? that's going to happen in the next six to nine months. And golf was like the only sport I could come up with that I really felt confident. Like, I think this is going to happen. I think it's worth investing the time into aside from esports. And obviously, I mean, esports, you can play remotely. There's no, none of the concerns are in play that are, you know, for actual kind of major professional sports. So I'm a new arrival to golf too, but it was just predicated by, it's the only thing that I thought was going to be around. So I just tried to grind on it as much as I possibly could and kind of see what the markets were like. And, you know, obviously like you scrape a bunch of data, you try to, you know, draw some conclusions about the way the markets work. You figure out who posts, who opens first, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think I've done a pretty good job of doing that, but, you know, I do agree with you that golf is having a moment right now because just degenerate people. And there are a lot of us and we like to bet. Uh, are always going to gravitate toward golf, I think, because there are so many markets open that you can bet on, whether it's full tournament or after every single round, the prop market, top five, top 20, all the derivatives, uh, first round leader, which is like people are just obsessed with basically right now because it's incredibly fun. It's like a rush. So many markets to bet, so many options. You know, for the casual better, that's always going to be really, really appealing, I think. Yeah, so I guess my my question there is, how much of it's because golf is awesome to bet and how much of it's because it's like the only thing to bet right now or one of the only things to bet right now? I mean, I think, you know, just much like with any with any answer, it's going to be nuanced and it's it's both, right? It's obviously part of it is that golf's really fun to bet. Now, I think you would get a lot of disagreement that it's really fun to watch from a lot of people that bet. I mean, it's not the most exciting sport, I think, for a lot of people that, you know, if you bet college football, the NFL, 
college basketball during March Madness, the kind of like casual big ticket, you know, markets or whatever. Golf probably isn't as exciting. But, you know, I think we, when we were deprived of sports for even just that small amount of time, I think everyone got so rabid for anything resembling sports to come back on television that even golf, even a sport that kind of is notoriously boring sometimes or hard to watch or not very interesting and takes forever, even golf now, it's like, oh, I'm just so happy sports is back. I think that's kind of the mind of the sports fan right now where it's almost like gratitude, like grateful to have anything to watch where even golf is like, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for having this on television. So you said that you spent these 18-hour days for weeks grinding on golf, scraping data. What what were some of the conclusions that you came to? So the I mean the first things that you figure out, I mean right off, I mean this would be like day 1 when you're just like what are the limits in places? What are the markets that you can even bet on? When you when you survey that landscape, I mean some things become very obvious right away and for the casual better might be kind of surprising just because of what they like to bet on. So, you know, head to heads obviously is, you know, anybody who bets golf knows like head to heads are a very like liquid efficient market, meaning you can bet a lot of money into them and the hold is pretty low depending on where you bet. So, you know, you might see minus 110 each way in a bunch of places. It's like 4% hold. That means the sports book isn't keeping very much of the money from that bet and you can bet a lot of money. So, you know, for professional bettors or for people that are trying to kind of like, you know, find an edge in golf, the, that's going to be both like kind of like a market you need to look at seriously, but also understand your competition in that market because of the limits is crazy high. So that's kind of like, you know, that's like the pinnacle. That's like the top. That's probably a poor word choice, given that it's also a sports book. That's the top of the mountain in terms of, you know, just like that's where a lot of money can be made if you can, you know, ever find an edge in those markets. The fun markets, you know, I think people who bet casually would be surprised to find that the hold in those markets, like the amount the sports book keeps, the amount you have to overcome in order to win long term when you're betting winner top five top 10 top 20 all the kind of fun markets i mean those are those can be a death trap depending on what the prices are in a lot of places that you can look and you would have to hit a very high percentage to even kind of break even in a lot of those because of how the sports book runs things so i think you know just as a surface level analysis you know the first couple of days it's kind of like i think a lot of people casual bettors like to bet winner and top five and stuff when really they would probably be better served and their money would last longer uh, if they would bet head-to-heads. So I don't know this for sure, Ken, but I think from our conversations over the years about the Masters or the U.S. Open, I sure. think you might be preaching to the choir here. Steve, aren't you the one that you always like to fade certain players or you like to do head-to-head -head as opposed to who's going to win the tournament? Exactly right. And Ken nailed it. It's all about your implied disadvantage if you're just throwing darts and guessing. And if you're laying minus 110 on each golfer, you're going to lose 4.5% as opposed to if you blindly bet who's going to win a tournament. Now you're looking at you're going to lose for every $100 you bet about 40% or $40. So because of that, the hurdle to get over is so much smaller. The head-to-heads make a whole lot more and if you didn't know it, Ken, that's why I have Steve. He always knows the numbers. He always <laughs> knows the numbers. You don't, you don't even need me. I don't even know why I'm on the show. This is great. I mean, yeah, it's a, happy to be here, though. So. No, no, no. You, you gave the tip about head-to-head -head and, and why you like it. He always actually knows, like, the, the percentage odds and how yeah. it works. Uh, let's talk about – so this is my issue a little bit when it comes to betting on stuff like golf. 
I really only like two guys. I like Brooks Kepka, and I like my new guy, DeChambeau, because I like guys in other sports that look like football players. So, but I've seen the odds on DeChambeau this weekend. Yep. And he's like a heavy, heavy favorite. So I'm assuming it would be stupid to bet on him. Well, I there are two sides to this coin. I think a lot of people in in on my screen right now would come on and say, like, no one, no one like Bryson should ever be six to one, seven to one to win a golf tournament. That just doesn't make any sense. Golf tournaments are too volatile. There's 150 golfers in the field. That's an answer that I've heard in several places. And it's, and I mean, it's, I can't argue with it. The price is really low. However, uh, just in simulating this tournament with an extremely weak field and with Bryson basically having, if you look at kind of last 20 rounds, last 40 rounds, the difference between him and even second, third, fourth best golfer in this field, and especially the difference between him and 110 of the other golfers in this field is so massive. And he's actually been so consistent with the rounds he's put up since he's gained all this weight and has made him one of your favorite golfers. Uh, actually, when I simulated, I actually got a lower price than the openers. So I think the openers were like 650, 660. I made him like mid threes, which is completely asinine, I know, but the, the numbers are moving in that direction. Like, you know, 600 at a bunch of high limit places. It was 550 for a little bit yesterday. So even though the price is so low, Ross, and that might make Bryson seem like a sucker bet to you, basically. At least the market so far is indicating that it actually should have been open even lower than that. Okay, so then can you just explain this to me? The guy was like an okay golfer, and then he put <laughs> on a bunch of weight. Some sure. is muscle, some is not, and now he's an awesome right? golfer. I don't yeah. follow it that closely. I okay. I like the mindset, though. I, I like the theory, but can you explain this to me? Sure, absolutely. Uh, you're right. You know, Obviously, you would probably be more the health fitness side of this equation in terms of how the weight actually helps them that much just from a, a purely golf standpoint. And I mean, there's been a bunch of tweets today and yesterday about his diet and like, it just, it's completely ridiculous. Like 10 protein shakes. He basically just eats meals all day and the meals are very high calories. It's like, it's like how I live my life some of the time, except I don't have the results that, that he has basically. And you know, the biggest thing that changes, obviously the important thing about Bryson is he's not just like a guy who was okay and then gained a bunch of weight. Like his adjusted round scores prior to gaining weight, like he was like a top 10, top 15 golfer anyway. And he also, the thing that Bryson has that other people do not is sort of like a, a different kind of brain than everyone else has. He's obviously, his, his reputation, his nickname is the mad scientist of golf. And part of that is that he's sort of willing to try outlandish strategies, irons that are all the same length, you know, like very, very kind of weird trajectories on courses and shots and stuff. Like he's willing to try stuff other people don't kind of have the balls to try basically. And he figured out that if he could just increase his club speed or his ball speed rather to just an insane degree, the amount of distance that he could achieve would give him such a bigger advantage than he had already. And this is the first course where that's actually going to come out in kind of a crazy way. The first three weeks, they played on courses that are 6,700 yards, 6,800 yards, short courses, not as many par fives. We, we saw him, you know, basically like drive the green on a par four almost a couple times because it's just, it's, it's not like a perfect fit with his game and these smaller courses. It creates kind of awkward second shots where he's hitting like 30 yard wedges and stuff because it just doesn't make any sense. He's like broken golf on a short course. On a longer course, 
where, you know, there's a 630 yard par five on this course that, I mean, that didn't exist the last three weeks. You know, how much more of an advantage T to green is he going to get on that hole than everybody else playing? We don't really know the answer because he hasn't done it yet. We haven't seen it on these three courses. I think that's another thing that makes him really fascinating. It's like another test of this strategy of his, I'm going to gain all this weight. I'm going to bomb it. Still obviously be a good golfer. Uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I think really well would probably be the, the likely answer. Who are you betting this weekend? What, what what are your bets this weekend? What are the tips? Sure. So, I mean, I have, I have Bryson on the opener outright. I mean, I, I, you know, I like five a lot less than six. I like six fifty more than six, but like, you know, I still think, I just still think he's valuable. And I know that sounds like a, a sucker kind of thing to bet a really small favorite. It's almost like a horse race. If I said, Oh, bet the one to five favorite in this horse race. He's so good. And like, we just know from horse racing that, you know, upsets happen more often than not. I just, I still think the price is a little bit too too high on him. Um, the derivatives on him are crazy, so I wouldn't really bet them. They've just juiced them into oblivion. He's like minus 350 to finish in the top 20. Like, they're just – the percentage chance that that actually happens actually isn't what the market is listing. So I have Bryson to win. The only other guy I bet outright this week uh, is Tyrrell Hatton. And I think just in the tier of the second tier guys – and, I mean, it's basically Bryson and then about four or five other guys that have kind of comparable profiles – you got, you've got, you know, Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson, obviously some people like Matt. So you know, there's got to get this tier of guys of that tier. I think, you know, Hatton's short-term form is by far the best, actually. He probably should have won two weeks ago uh, at Colonial and just, or at Heritage rather, and didn't. And, uh, and just, you know, like, I think just, again, if all those guys are being listed about the same, you know, I think there is like maybe a one to 2% edge on him. at something like 15 to one, 16 to one. So those two guys, and that's it for outrights. Head to heads, I've been betting. I'm literally the reason you people might be wondering why I'm outside right now. And I'm like, I stay, I have like a bunker with computer monitors and TVs in it with no natural light. And on Wednesday, that is like head to head betting central. So it is just for this interview, I was like, I'm just going to get some fresh air and sit outside because I just stare at head to head odds boards all day. Um, some head to heads that stand out that are still kind of around. I'll, I'll, I'll give one. I like, I kind of just like fading Matsuyama this week and some of the guys he got put against. Patrick Reed's against him and it's minus 110 each way. I don't think that's particularly close, actually. I think Patrick Reed's more like a 60 40 favorite against Matsuyama. Um, one that I'll throw out because, Ross, I think you'll just find this interesting. There's been a crazy amount of volume of people I've talked to on the most obscure head to head matchup. I think I've seen where I have I have a ton of sharp opinion on both sides. I have people telling me they like both sides. Mark Hubbard against Chris Kirk has been a really, really, really highly bet head-to-head, which is incredibly funny. Um, this opened like about even each way. I love Hubbard in the matchup, and he's taken a ton of money. But every time it goes to a certain threshold, minus 130, minus 140, last night it kept coming back down again. And I was talking to my friends. I was like, who is betting Chris Kirk in this matchup? Like, I don't... I don't understand what's going on. I mean, you would never, you would think this was like Tiger Rory, the way that it was being bet in a bunch of places. And I heard kind of through the grapevine from a couple people that there are some really sharp people that are on Chris Kirk. And I'm like, well, then this is going to be a bloodbath for somebody because they're, people are just jamming into this thing, thinking that they have a big edge either way. So if you're watching on, on Saturday and Sunday or even Thursday, Friday, if they miss the cut, just keep those two names in mind that there, there are people out there that you don't know that have very large sums of money tied up in Mark Hubbard, Chris Kirk. Wow, that's interesting. I, I did want to get your thoughts on two more quick things sure. and, and get Steve's reaction. But the esports, like, are you actually winning money betting on esports? There are a couple. I can't 
I can't go into as much detail here because some of the markets are really tiny. There are edges to be had if you just, there's a lot of information in esports that I think is tough to capture sometimes where, I mean, I'll give you an example. This is sort of a bad example in terms of the result, but an example of just if you're paying attention, there's a team last night. So Ross, I'll just a 10 second prior on Counter-Strike. Teams of five play each other. It's basically like best two out of three. They play three different maps. Best two out of three wins playing five on five. Sometimes guys will just randomly like not play. They'll require fill-in players. There'll be crazy stuff will happen. Like a team will play three matches in a row and then play a fourth later that night. And just again, so like if you are able to access information sometimes, there was a team that had to play their coach instead of a player last night and they lost. But the idea is they were like plus 280 and then they closed plus 200. So like knowing that allowed you to get a lot of closing line value, even though the bet was a loser. So that's just the kind of stuff if you're paying attention to, you know, you can kind of get some interesting edges just on like video game, 16 year old information, which is just like, a I can't even believe like we're in a time where that is a thing, but here we are. And there is kind of money to be made on it, to be honest. Okay. And then the last thing is, Ken, you're a, you're a Patriots guy, right? I am. Yeah. I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, went to school in Massachusetts until college. So literally Tom Brady's like their, their first Super Bowl year when he came in for blood. So week, week three will be two. And then started week three. Uh, that was my senior year of high school. So that's how long it's been since Tom Brady was on. The, it's like staggering to think about that, that his entire career has basically spanned my adult life. All right. So I want to get into with Steve after we let you go, Ken, I'm going to get into sure. with Steve uh, what he thinks of New England after they signed Cam Newton. But I want to get your thoughts first. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, trying to remove the uh, Patriots rose colored glasses. Sure. I think that the season win total number went from eight and a half to nine. Are <laughs> you hitting the over, hitting the under, or neither? Here's the advice I would give people on this. And there have been some very strong opinions on both sides of this one. And I would just say what that should demonstrate to you is that I think it's extreme. This is uh, maybe all the teams this year, maybe not all of them. There are a few other ones. This is one of the most volatile teams, I think, in terms of projected record that they could finish with without having a significant quarterback injury. Obviously, anybody can get hurt and the team could go one in 15. But if everybody stays healthy, I still, I think there's still like almost an impossible team to project. I think Washington's like that. I think Cleveland is like that, where if I said they win four games, they win 13 games, I, would you really be surprised either way, given what we've we've seen? I think the Patriots kind of fall into that trap too. The, the Patriots have basically broken win total analysis of football the last 10 years because they do everything that other teams do when they're about to be worse. So what I mean by that is, Every year, the Patriots play a, a, an easy schedule compared to their competitors, but their division never gets any better, so it doesn't matter, and they just win 12 games every year. Uh, the Patriots frequently have a way more takeaways than their opponent. That's always a harbinger of playing worse the next season, except it's like ingrained in their coaching, so they just have a lot of takeaways every year. No other team does this. The Patriots have finished top five in takeaways like 10 of the last 15 years. <laughs> Makes no sense. Uh, so again, all these things where you'd be like, ah, indicator, that team's going to be worse. The Patriots have broken that every year. So this year they have all the same indicators again. And I have not one, not one clue what the right number is for this team. No matter Stidham, I have no idea. Cam Newton, I probably have less of an idea because the number of games he's going to start is who knows. So my advice would just be, if you have a strong opinion on this team, 
I think this is like a really soft number in terms of, I don't think anybody has any clue what the right number should be. So in that case, what I'd say is if you like over or under, find an alternate win total on this team, even more than other teams. Like if you like that, like bet over 10 and get, a, you know, if you can find for a dollar more, dollar 10 more, if you, if you think Cam's going to play two games, like don't bet under nine minus minus one fifteen. like bet under eight and get another God, probably like a dollar 20 at this point with how many people want to bet the over. So again, just look for those kind of outlier wacky prices, play this team way over, way under. I think that's going to be a better strategy with New England uh, compared to some other teams. Check him out on Twitter at Lockie Lockerson. Guy spends 18 hours a day figuring <laughs> out who day. to bet just in golf. golf. Just and, golf. And, says, <laughs> and then says, just bet the favorite, the big guy that you like, Ross. I, know, I right? love it. I love it. What a fraud. I, I, what a fraud I spent I 18 <laughs> seconds, and that was going to be my analysis, too. <laughs> I'm just busting your chops, Ken. Thank oh, you so much it, for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. I got to tell you, Steve, uh, before I get your thoughts, on the Patriots, I I personally am going to be going right to DraftKings Sportsbook to do two things. One, to put some money on Bryson DeChambeau just because I love that dude and it'll make this weekend more interesting. Number two, I, I'm fading the Patriots. They're up to nine. I, I like the under. Can't wait to get your thoughts. Here's the deal. The Rocket Mortgage Classic is this weekend. You just got Ken's tips. Steve told you head-to-head's the way to go. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, reliable, and based right here in the U.S. Download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana. 1-800-9 with it. All right, Steve. This is exactly what you call saving best for last. I've waited all show to get your expert opinion on what to do with the Patriots win total or week one or whatever now that they signed Cam Newton. All right. Well, if you like the Patriots to go over, you better bet it now as fast as possible you can still get over nine, lay a dollar ten, because I think this number is just going to keep going up, up, and up. Why? Well, let's look at the Patriots. Before they signed Cam Newton, they had Stidham and Hoyer. Those were my two lowest starting quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks I had rated 37th best in the NFL. So neither one should be starting at all. I have Cam at 25. I have to tell you, Ross, every national media guy disagrees with me. They all make Cam better than that. Uh, Chris Sims made Cam a top 10 quarterback. Think about that. If I'm replacing a number 37 quarterback with a number 10 quarterback, how much better is that team? Just tremendously better. So even by my numbers, and I have Cam as low as anybody at 25, and I probably have him too low. He played very well the first half of 2018 before the shoulder injury. The big question is, is he going to be healthy? 
I'm probably going to go under. Um, I, I hear you, though. If he's named starter, then the belief will be he's ready and he's good to go. I just feel like the Carolina Panthers could have had him this year for $18 million. And if they thought he was healthy or going to play at a high level, I don't see how or why they would cut him and give Teddy Bridgewater over $20 million a year. Uh, the, the Redskins didn't try at all to get Cam Newton. I know they have Dwayne Haskins, but Cam's getting the minimum. He signed for the minimum with the Patriots. Could have been in Washington if Ron Rivera really went after him. So just makes me wonder a little bit. I think it's a great move by the Patriots because there's all upside, not a lot of downside. But I'll probably wait till it gets up to nine and a half and then probably take the under would be my guess, Steve. Uh, great stuff, as always. That'll do it for this week's Even Money podcast. Next week, we actually have some listener questions, and Steve will have some tips on the NBA schedule. So please, please, please spread the word via social media. We love the retweets and likes. It means a great deal. If you can rate and review the show, that's huge as well for us. Thank you so much for those of you that do that. Even if you just do that, even if you just rate and review the show, you can take a screenshot of that, send it to me, and we'll let you ask any question that you would like. Other than that, I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.